There we go. Yeah. Um, yeah. How are you? How are you doing? Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. How was your weekend? Yeah. Not bad. Uh, at work, getting colder. Yeah. I'm glad there's yeah, right, one more yeah. week left, so that's it. And then I'm off for the season. So, uh, oh, okay. Uh, we we close through December and January just because no one turns right, up. Right. Yeah. So no point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. How about yourself? Yeah. Not too bad. Yeah. My partner, she um, she's uh, learnt sign language. Oh. And um, she's done level six, which is the sort of highest you can do. And now mm. she's just started an interpreter course. Hmm. So she's doing that this weekend. Well, she did wow. this that this weekend. Awesome. So that was really nice. Yeah, and that's uh, that's BSL or Sakaton? BSL, BSL. Nice. Ah, yeah. oh, fantastic. Yeah. Oh well, uh, I mean, I love sounding. Uh, all four of my grandparents would have been deaf had I ever get to meet them. Sadly, they died quite young because you know, the life expectancy at that point yeah. wasn't wasn't great for for them. Um, but it's sort of passed through the family, even though, you know, unconsciously my parents still do it every now and then when they're oh, talking really? about yeah. something. So I, yeah. I pick up something every now and then. And uh, so, yeah, so, oh yeah, fantastic. Anyone who learns sign language is an absolute saint in my eyes. Cause you know, it's a, a lot to learn and think how you are projecting yourself whilst yeah. you're also talking as well. Uh, yeah. I mean, means nothing for a podcast. I mean, all of my grandparents <sighs> would never have listened to this thing ever because they yeah. can't. Um, yeah. But but visually, oh yeah, it's it's fascinating to think of the entire language all coming together. Yes, absolutely amazing. It just amazes me. You know, she's like spent the weekend having these complex conversations in a foreign language. It was just it's just amazing. You know, mm, it mm. blows me away. Really, it's incredible. Of, uh, so she's with sort of a deaf group, and she works with them, or it's just no. a, sort of a strictly academic. No, so she's she's doing a course which will make her a qualified um, interpreter. Right. Wow. So she's she's learning to be an interpreter. Fantastic. With uh, a medical bent, with a, a specific field, or anything like that? no, not necessarily. I think I think there's a degree of specificity at some mm. point, but initially it's just literally learning. Like for instance, she did stuff about the sort of theory of interpreting and how it's done, and different ideas about how how you should do it, and different sort of techniques and stuff like that. So it's all sort of just general sort of um groundwork i suppose at the moment really That's awesome. and then it, then you, i think you can specify you can sort of go right okay i'm gonna i'm gonna work in like medical settings or whatever mm. and then there's a whole load of sort of um techniques and um what's the word um words i suppose you have to learn particular sort of technique mm-hmm. you know sort of um technical terms and stuff like that mm. yeah that's yeah the legal one or you know, medical and yeah. then there's all that kind of stuff going on oh yeah oh fantastic oh well i, I wish her all the best um and i really hope she gets, gets through that because that's that's an amazing thing to have that's a, a fantastic arrow to have in the old quiver yeah absolutely yeah it's brilliant yeah excellent <laughs> excellent um well again thank you very much for for joining me um pleasure mate acquisition uh you said you had a yes. few words to say about this one so uh you can yeah. sign it you can sign it if you've learned the words you want to say as well uh yeah i'll post the little video on the on the facebook page so people can see um be but cool, yeah, wouldn't it? I, when watching this episode i was thinking yep. wow this is really fan servicey dan's gonna have a lot to say about this <laughs> Yes, it's an interesting one, I think, but we're, we're talking about it. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, looking it up, apparently, uh, uh, was it Brandon? Yeah, Brandon Braga um, 
doing some comments about the episode and things like that he said we brought them in just out of sheer desperation because we weren't seeing we weren't seeing the amount of uh, viewers sustaining from pilot through the season mm. um and they were just trying to think of something to bring in because they'd had the, the mid-season break and yep. were coming back in and that's when this script and others were sort of brought in um they were just kind of just throwing things at the wall and just seeing if they could bring people back in apparently it worked uh, by all accounts okay. this, this had this had a bit of a bump um i guess all right. seems seeing something familiar i guess maybe brought people back I yeah yeah so maybe fan service does sort of work and that's why <laughs> that always happens that's why it keeps coming back so there we go right okay then uh to me get off my lap <laughs> the lower life form has come in absolutely just, yeah yeah can you can you get a um a, a universal town translator on it if there was sign language or anything for a cat or anything like that i would learn it in a second <laughs> go away <laughs> <laughs> right here we go space time the ever-expanding frontier these are the records of the most needlessly complicated rewatch of the Star Trek franchise ever. Its mission, to locate every second, contemplate every eon, from outside time to the Big Bang, to the 20th century, all the way to the end of all existence. To do what no sane entity has ever done before. This is the Temporal Trek Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Temple Trek podcast. We're in Chronodate Season 3, Episode 20 of the podcast, Season 1, Episode 18 of uh, the Enterprise. Uh, and we're in Acquisition and we are going to see the return of a species we've actually seen a couple of times before on Temple Trek already. But again, I am not going to be alone. I'm just going to bring him up on the device. He's just in the waiting room as well, so I can open up a channel. Incoming transmission. Dan, are you there? Hello, I am indeed. Hello again. Yes. It's good to see you. Welcome back. I mean, it's great to have you. I am really enjoying these recordings. This is really nice. Um, for the listeners, uh, we've sort of moved to morning recordings uh, just so I can fit it in and keep catching up so I don't fall behind like I used to. Um, and it's just a really nice way of starting the weekend uh, or week. Uh, you know, just Monday morning, call up Dan and have a nice little uh, chinwag about uh, about track. It's, it's fantastic. It's a great way of starting. Um, how have you been uh, since we last spoke? Yeah, all good, thank you. Not too bad. I've been watching plenty of Trek as ever. Of course. And this one, I think I've watched about three or four times now. So <laughs> hopefully it, it's lodged in my brain. <laughs> it is. It's quite an easy watch, I have to say, this episode. Mm. You don't really have to think too much. And it's a bit silly. And it is one of those episodes that are it's purely comedy I, I don't think we'll be drilling this one for too much or maybe we will i don't know maybe there is something to acquire from this episode uh, and take away uh, you see see the transitions i'm trying to work on these um right um we're gonna start uh, as ever so new listeners uh, i keep forgetting to do this i always tell myself you need to like welcome in new listeners just in case there is somebody who pops in but to the new listeners we have sort of a ratings criteria for the show which is our format of the episode the l cars system or the l cars rating system we start with l and that's the majority of the episode where we locate the episode try and work out when it is in the timeline 
and we just review the episode scene by scene. Then C will be consequences. We look at the consequences, the fallout from the episode. Will this uh, event in history mean something uh, earth shattering for the Federation and Starfleet or for the galaxy? Uh, then we go to A, which is alterations, expansions. Not necessarily that we think we could do it better than the writers, but things we would like to see more of. This episode brought up something that we would love to see an entire mini series based on. Uh, then recommendations, which is a two strand um, uh, recommendation. We do uh, Star Trek fans. Is this essential to Star Trek fans and really introduces the, um, the, the fans into something that they love and is a part, maybe not necessarily the top 10 of all the episodes, but a good essential chunk of the Star Trek universe that we love and then non-Star Trek fans. Is it a good way of introducing the new fans or as I've been saying over the past couple of episodes, the brainwashing kit? Does it get people into the fold? Is it the first taste free? Uh, we go from there. And then the last part of our criteria is actually just for me and it's S for setup where I set up the next episode. So there we go. I always say this. I always tell myself that I'm supposed to do this. Uh, I hear other podcasts doing it. I'm like, why do I always forget? But there we go. Um, Right, we go straight in with the L and we locate the episode. We open up on the scene of the Enterprise Adrift and you already get a sense that something's wrong because it's just sort of spinning on its axis mm -hmm. and not moving, uh, which is very unusual for a starship. Uh, if you've watched a lot of Star Trek, you, you kind of know that's not right. And there's a shuttle coming in. Somewhat vaguely familiar looking shuttle. The design is sort of like things we've seen elsewhere in Star Trek, perhaps not necessarily as uh, the Temporal Trek has seen so far, but something that we could work out as being a Ferengi ship. But if you didn't work it out from that, as soon as we then uh, switch over, we see some lobes and we see two domed bum-like uh, bumps <laughs> of a head uh, coming up through the screen. And it is the Ferengi, the Ferengi are back. We hear the Ferengi language. It's the second time we've heard it on the Temporal Trek. It's the second time that humans and Ferengi are going to be in the same episode. And the third time we have seen Ferengi throughout the entire Temple Trek because um, Quark was outside time talking to the prophets and annoying them. Uh, and that is the third time that we saw him. Uh, any thoughts on the early uh, part of the scene as we sort of get to know this Ferengi crew? Um, one thing I've, I've really noticed was uh, the use of the language. I really like that, actually. Hmm. Um, it reminded me of discovery and the way the Klingons were were sort of spoke in their own language. I know we had um, subtitles for that, mm. but I, I quite like this whole sort of beginning bit before we get the translator. Um, and I wondered, I, I haven't got around to doing it actually, but I wondered if I'd have a look at um, little green men mm. and see if they use the same, same sort of words and stuff. And I think they did sort mm. of rings a bell, mm. um, which I thought was really good actually. And I, I quite like that. It's, it's an unusual thing in Trek. I can't think of it happening very often mm. where other than discovery, where they did that as a whole thing, but in sort of episodes where they use the language, the sort of, of, of the aliens. So mm. I, I liked that. Actually. It was quite interesting. It, it, it gave it a, an interesting feel, that whole sort of section um, where they, they're sort of looking at the people lying, sleeping and stuff and sort of touching their ears and going, well, look at, you know, they're tiny. You can sort of, Although you obviously don't know what they're saying, you can sort of work out what they're saying from the actions and stuff. So I thought that worked really well. Mm. I, for a, a, the first time that I ever watched the episode, I did wonder, 
are they going to do this for the whole episode? Is this going to be some weird thing where like maybe the five minutes, the humans wake up and then, you know, it's all resolved. But I was wondering if they were going to go for a non-English speaking episode and whether that could be something that would ever work. Like, yeah, all visual, maybe like in, like the first five minutes of Wally, you know, where it's mm. all Wally, there's no talking, it's all uh, done through uh, visual language, um, which is quite appropriate, uh, given what we were just talking about your partner learning uh, BSL and sign language yep. uh, just before we started re um, recording. Just have a visual episode. Yeah. Uh, it just would be fantastic to see. And there is so much you can intonate from their uh, uh physical mannerisms and mm. uh, the way they're interacting you already get a power set of the, the captain in charge of this yeah. this ragtag crew of marauders um there were a couple of words i think i did here because i went back to listen to uh the um little green men episode and there was homeboy or homeboy or homeboy uh, i don't know if homeboy is a word but there we go um but um that was used again so i was trying to work out what the context was but uh yeah there were a couple of words that i sort of picked up and thought oh i wonder if they've they've actually gone back mm. and, and worked through it uh i really liked the fact that they have gas masks but they're designed in such a way to fit the ears yes uh really great little bit of design it wasn't just like a suction cup that they ignored they actually thought about making an ear cover and everything like that um they're, they're more cautious than the humans uh i've been <laughs> banging on about not wearing their environmental suits. And I know that they obviously know there is a gas uh, thing on board that would knock them out, but it looks a lot more uh, organized. It looks like they know what they're doing. Um, there's a real sense that they, they've done this a million times before and they are well organized. So yeah. organized, in fact, that they've brought their own ramps for the yes. ship and they fit perfectly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's that's incredible forethought and planning, uh, given that they weren't really sure what the ship was uh, and they didn't seem to have done any kind of recce work or anything like that. But they had perfectly attuned ramps. <laughs> I do like that. Um, any other thoughts on it was quite a long part of the episode mm. where there's no talking. It's all done. Um, there is a bit of sexy trek. The objectification of T'Pol starts there and then when they find the artifact that is containing all the gas. Um, we get uh, Captain, or no, I'm not going to call him Captain, uh, Krem. Basically, it's the first time he sees her. And yep. it really plays into that awkwardness of like, oh, they're, they're taking to Paul, they're taking Jolene Blaylock again. And they're, they're just, a, she's the pretty Vulcan. That's all she is. And uh, just very annoying. Mm -hmm. um, uh, any other thoughts on, on just the whole procedure as they, so they're just starting to sort of take everything and ransack the place? Yeah, yeah, I think um, the other thing that, that struck me was how random the things they took were. Mm. You know, they just sort of grabbed it. And, uh, and I sort of guess it sort of makes sense because uh, I don't know if you'd think they would sort of know what they're looking for. I mean, obviously they're looking for gold or gold-pressed latinum, but you'd think they'd, they'd know what they were looking for because although obviously it's a different ship, it's they don't, you know, but the sort of technology is similar. I guess there's that bit when he tries to take out the... Um, injectors i think it is mm. you know so he's obviously aware of that but he just they sort of just grab anything you know <laughs> this sort of mad sort of scramble for for anything they can get their hands on sort of thing which i thought was sort of funny i suppose but was strange as well because you think you know as you say it, it seems to be quite a well-oiled machine and you'd think they'd, they would go right we want this and we want that and we want that and they obviously took a a, a, a missile at one point or a mm. torpedo at one point um but yeah, so it was sort of quite fun. It's like a little sort of, like one of those um, 
cut scenes where you know you get like like a rock in Rocky, you know, when he's training and stuff. <laughs> it's a bit like that, you know. It sort of grabs, like, you know, but very random. It really is. I like that the idea that it's the, the Rocky montage of uh, Ferengi marauders is just take everything, and it doesn't have to make sense. It just has to be cut well together. Um, I I was. Uh, sitting there with my, my butt clenched looking at them uh, using the dolly um, we're so used to seeing anti-grav sort of plates yes. like, to carry stuff in Star Trek but they're using those dolly those trolley things uh, to carry a uh, not armed but still a torpedo through the deck plating now uh, back in the foreign office days where I uh, started as a little admin officer um, I used to have to make the tees and I have to use a dolly like that and they are dangerous at the best of times and <laughs> the most I would have had to have dealt with was a scalding from some really hot tea they are carrying a torpedo an armed torpedo I'm not liking that uh, that seems very dangerous <laughs> to me uh, but may maybe Ferengi dollies are slightly more secure and they don't have that one dodgy wheel that's just going to give in I don't know <laughs> um, but there we go um, we then get our uh, John McClane for the episode and it's trip and uh, I'm not going to come out and hatred on Trip because uh, he, damn, he looks fine. Um, I've been worried about objectification and sexy Trek yes. from to Paul's side, but actually, I think I hate him even more because he looks so good. Uh, he's in the, he's in his vest and he's in his shorts and he's just walking around. Uh, but I got John McClane vibes straight away. Yes, just yeah, definitely. No problem at all. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. All the outside is frightful. Dum, da -dum, delightful. But nobody has no place to go. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Uh, I was waiting for him to step on glass or, you know, <laughs> something else, uh, get a radio or something like that. I was wondering if they were going to go that route. I thought, mm. you know, is this going to be a little bit like Picard going around with the saddle and we were going to get beats that were sort of similar, you know, maybe a trip engineers, a bow and arrow. So we move from, we move from Rocky to Rambo, you know, maybe something like that. Um, I do like that it was that consistency that he was in the decon chamber. So of course that's isolated. Um, uh, just any thoughts on trip sort of awakening and, and figuring things out? Yeah. I the thing I thought of actually is that I would probably have gone and got a uniform much quicker than he did, to be honest with yeah. you. <laughs> I mean, I know no one else is awake, but he didn't know that. And, you know, just wandering around in his pants. You know. <laughs> but then again, you know, as you say, it's um, it's sort of stock for, for enterprise, isn't it, really? You know, if they can if they can objectify someone, they, they take that <laughs> take that chance pretty quickly, don't they? Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, I think he does eventually get get sort of sorted out. But I, w I would have done that much quicker, I think. Yeah, like you know that he could, he's a high ranking officer. He's got access to all of the different quarters. Mm. He could have gone into someone. I mean, okay, maybe everyone on that deck is a different height to him, and he knew it. Maybe he just knew that he couldn't get it. That's how we're going to justify this. I'm the terrorist in the world, and I got to kill one with feet small and my sister. It goes on then to even more slapstick comedy and. Uh, a visual representation of what the, the Ferengi are doing and them not telling us because they're still talking in their Ferengi language. Uh, we get the electric shock, which I thought was a bit of a callback to uh, cold front because that's the exact mm. same terminal that would have shorted out and destroyed the enterprise had uh, Silic not saved it. So I thought it was a nice little uh, callback there. We, uh, we get up to the bridge and uh, they take Travis's sliding chair. Uh, you mentioned like how random they were. Why the slidey chair? 
Like, and they they would go to the point of just pushing him off it and then taking. Yeah. Him. What an insult! Just yeah. unbelievable. We don't even need Travis's chair. We're just going to get rid of it. Uh, the writers just had had enough of the character already. I mean, <laughs> they're not even trying to give him words, but they're just taking all of his set away as well. Um, uh, it, it, that did put me in mind of uh, they steal his shoes or they steal someone's shoes and he's sort yes. of taking the boot, the boot as well. There's Last Action Hero. It's one of those movies that like, both of people hate, but always sticks in my mind. And there's a bit where. Um, Charles Dance's villain comes into the real world and he's trying to work out what this place is and he sees um, some two guys mugging a guy for some shoes and he's kind of disdained of like take their shoes like how ridiculous is that it comes back to this idea that why are they taking all these random bits of pieces um we do get some some very funky purple socks as well yes i want those socks they look very comfy uh, uh yeah uh, any other thoughts on uh, what they're taking why they're taking it and uh, and everything else um i suppose there's also a terminator um mm. callback isn't there you know i need your your clothes your boots and your motorcycle sort of thing you know i need your clothes your boots and your motorcycle. <laughs> you forgot to say please. <laughs> it's a sci-fi trope take the boots yes. yeah take the boots that's how we know that they're serious um we get trip mclean again oh sorry i mean trip uh going through <laughs> he's in sick bay he's trying to work out what's going on quite disconcerting to see flocks knocked out mm. i know we've seen all this other all the other crew members and we've seen them like measuring their ears and thinking they don't have the lobes and all this sort of stuff but i don't know why that seeing a character that's so beloved completely sprawled out and all of his pets are being antagonized by the Ferengi. It really felt, it felt like, you know, you're watching your favorite uncle or something being, being pickpocketed or something. It, it felt really weird. Yeah. Um, but he sort of, he, he's crawled up a tube and then he's leaning yes. out and he's getting a sense of where they are and they're, they're stealing all the data pads and things. He finally then gets to a scanner and a little terminal in engineering and he's watching what they're doing. They're up on the bridge and we get our fourth Archer abduction for the series. My name is Jonathan Archer. Yeah. <laughs> 
question. Because they, yes. they are carrying Archer out. And it must have been absolutely fun to, to see them play that. Because, I mean, Scott Bakula is a very tall man. All of this Ferengi actors are very short. How they managed to work out how they were going to pick him up uh, and as actors try and figure out that scene. But yes, this is Archer Abductions. Uh, it's his fourth abduction for the entire series. We're only 18 episodes in. He's keeping up his 20% average. He's really in there. Um, uh, <laughs> they, uh, they abduct him, they chain him up, and then they scan him for his language. And in two sentences, two words, yes. in fact, not even yes. sentences, they've worked out his language. So I, I'm sticking with my headcanon that if you can scan someone's brain, if you can get that chance, you can work out what language they are in two words. Um, uh, this is where we get the who we are is not important line. Canon, the continuity. Yes. Of course, we've never met the Ferengi before. And I can still remember the early days of the chat rooms and internets uh, saying, oh, we've never seen the Ferengi. Why are they in this episode? And, you know, the outrage we see all the time now about Klingons, about designs, about ships and all this sort of stuff. Um, but undercut by one single line where who we are is not important. They made perfect sense to me that we would never have put two and two together. We would not have put those things there. Uh, of course, there's going to be other run-ins with the Ferengi. Uh, Picard has a run-in with the Ferengi, but we never realise uh, well before TNG. Um, but I thought it was also a, a double-layered line in the fact that three of the Ferengi actors are people we've seen before as well. Who they are is not important as well. Yeah. Any any thoughts on the interrogation scene and uh, and going through to Archer or getting through to Archer about this vault that they're trying to look for? Yeah, I mean, I think it was quite funny when when I was watching. I was thinking of you know the the, the um, abduction stuff for Archer, and you get another beating. Mm. It's getting <laughs> really harsh as well. Yeah, and then of course um, he sort of what I thought was what's the right word? Not a shame. That's not the right word. But he, he picks up so quickly on their greed and stuff that I think you know how did you work that out quite so quickly? You know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's it could be a thing that this is a story that only you could tell with Enterprise because mm. this is a human race that are only 100 years divorced from greed and poverty and yeah. blah, 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 that he recognises those cues. He recognises that that way of thinking. Um, but again, they are aliens and uh, you might be able to understand the words they're saying, but not necessarily their motivations. Yeah. But yeah, he does pick up on it really quickly. and. Yeah. And also their divisions as well. He, he yes. spots the weakness and goes for yeah. it straight away. Um, with the Ferengi coming in, I, I know your views on fan service, uh, not necessarily being uh, a big fan of it. You know, you can have your references, but not necessarily yeah. going full in. It's interesting because for me anyway, I, I don't know, I like Ferengis personally, especially from DS9. I think DS9, you know, it gave the Ferengis a, a level of sort of complexity and interest and, and sort of, you know, that, just wasn't there before. Obviously, you look at sort of TNG and I can't remember what the episode's called, the one when they're introduced mm. and they're all sort of jumping around like sort of, <laughs> you know. Anyway, um, mm. I don't think my love of the Ferengis or my sort of enjoyment of the Ferengis is overly universal. So I'm quite surprised they picked the Ferengis, to be honest with you. Because a lot of people used to moan about the DS9 episodes with the Ferengi. Mm. Um, so it, it's a strange one for me as, as fan service. I mean, I suppose... Um, Neelix and and um, and obviously um, uh, 
only the most famous character actor, and I can't remember, <laughs> Shran, um, yeah. um, you know, being in it is, is sort of cool. Mm. Um, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm slightly surprised they picked the Ferengi, if mm. I'm honest. It's weird because they've already established that this is the early days of Star Trek. Um, if we go to Journey to Babel in TOS, it was the Andorians, the Vulcans, and the Tellarites. Now, mm. it, it was established then that the Tellarites are a bit more traders. You know, they're a bit more about um, uh, negotiating and being maybe a bit more underhanded and, mm. and quite ag- aggressive in that sense as well. But also having that comedic element in that they are so aggressive that it's kind of funny. Yeah. That you could have done this story with the Tellarites as well mm. and, then, and then given us a, a redesign for them. So yeah, Ferengi bringing them in so early, you know, maybe that's too niche. Maybe because the Ferengi are just so uh, visually interesting to look at, you know, the big mm. ears uh, yep. that non-Star Trek fans maybe would pick up on that better than a Tellarite because then they don't really know the reference. They don't mm. really know well what what alien race is that? Why is that special? Um, so I'm, I'm thinking that's probably why they yep. did that. They wanted a, a a greedy alien race character, like a one that values money uh, and mm. trade. Uh, but something that was perhaps a little bit more likable or recognisable to a non-Star Trek fan yeah. base. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go off piece a little bit here and talk about the Tellarites. Mm. Tell- it's a strange one, the Tellarites, isn't it? Because as you say, you know, canon-wise, they're they're an important species. Mm. But we really have never seen anything about them, really. You know, I think there's a little bit, there's a Tellarite or a couple of Tellarites in Discovery, isn't there? Yep. And in in the um, certainly in the um, mirror universe, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we really, yeah, it's a funny one that no one's ever picked up on that and, and never run with them. And I wonder, mm. I wonder why that is. Whether they've ever thought about doing it or whether it's just, it's just not, it. not happened. But you know, they, they've done it with with the Endorians in Enterprise. Obviously, that as we go forward, you know, they they certainly fleshed them out more. Mm. Um, but the Tellarites have been a a funny one because they're an important species mm. but somehow they've they've missed the boat really yeah they've just been ignored uh, mm. and given that you could have all those arguments about you know trade and um that they would maybe be the infrastructure of starfleet they would be the builders uh, mm. because because they love mining and, and all this kind of stuff um that that's why they're as important as the vulcans as important as yeah. the, the andorians and the humans um, I know that uh, Jankum Pog in Prodigy is supposed to be a Tellarite. A bit obviously ah, okay. over here in the UK, we haven't obviously had that yet. But I mean, that's going to be our first long-term Tellarite character. So it'll be a great thing to see how they're going to develop, or if they develop him in a, a sufficient way. Um, but yeah, it just seemed odd that they they jump straight to a TNG character or species mm. when they've got one perfectly lined up right there yeah. and. Yeah, there we go. and and would be more interesting in a way because, you know, you've got the whole sort of you know the whole idea of enterprises, the, the founding of the of the um, federation, and you could mm-hmm. almost this is an ideal opportunity to bring them in early and and develop alongside the Andorians, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you do the likeness um, as we've been seeing in previous episodes of this is the Wild West, the humans are now the law coming in. Uh, you know, it's the the kind of uh, eastern side of America coming into the Wild West. 
um, you, with all the Westerns you ever see, there was always the different pockets of communities, all the different immigrant communities and, and cultures that all came together in the West. You know, the Tellerites will be a representation of one culture, the Andorians and so forth. Why you don't go for that? Why don't you see how they all came together? Mm. Um, when you think of the the uh, Western towns, you know, you have the, the Chinese immigrant population, you yeah. have uh, perhaps the Jewish um, immigrant population, then the Europeans, and then you've got all the different things that all coming together. Um, and then you eventually see how the town would then grow into um, the you know, parts of the West, the, uh, you know, California and all the sorts of things. Do it with Star Trek. Just do the mm. exact same thing, but just replace all the, the human cultures with aliens. Um, yeah, it just seems very strange uh, as a choice. We bring up slave markets. Uh, this is where Archer really sort of objects to them. He doesn't mind them taking their torpedoes. He doesn't mind them taking their pads. But slave markets, ah, now now I don't like you. Now I'm going to take you down. Um, he, he says, like, leave my ship, take all you want, uh, which is fine because they've got Lieutenant Hess. She can build as many doors as they need. So uh, they can uh, they can replace everything. That's fine. Uh, but as soon as slave markets are, are mentioned, um, Ulis, Captain Ulis, uh, says, you know, uh, pick out your favourite women and they're the ones we're going to take. He thinks he's getting an upper hand on Archer, uh, but actually Archer is the one learning more about them, which is a, a nice, fun sort of turnaround. Mm. But what's really disturbing is that Krem had already made the list. Yes. <laughs> it was already in his head. Uh, I mean, I know we've already seen him perving onto pole, but the fact that we didn't see him sort of looking at other female officers and was already doing it and he just has that list in his head how deplorable he is um it's weird because from what we know of the ferengi later on quark makes a big point about how we've never had slavery in our history mm -hmm. but looking he always looks down on humans because you've you've got all this barbaric history we've never had that barbaric history and yet they're clearly okay with having second-hand involvement with other yeah. people who do have slave markets um just uh anything on sort of the moral relativism i guess i'm trying to reach for any kind of academic pullout from this episode uh but on you know dealing with slave markets but not yeah. taking any personal responsibility mm. for it mm. any thoughts on that well i suppose um it's a bit like the klingons in a way that i think the history of the, the ferengi is a very much more sort of um, individualistic um, mm. history. So, as a, as a culture, mm. I, I think that's probably true what what Quark says. But as individual sort of traders or whatever you want to call them, you know they they're involved in all sorts of stuff, and and you know so it's a very much more sort of you know rather than being. Um, I mean, just the rules of acquisition are, are sort of, you know, basically saying you can do whatever you like to make money. Yeah. You know, and, and so you would have had, you know, maybe you would have had a situation where Ferengi were um, respected regardless of their their race, if there was, a you know, races in, on Ferenginar. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, the, the, the issues around their, their treatment of women is another story, you know, that that's, mm -hmm. you know. But... Um, slavery as, as a, a form of sort of capitalism i suppose may not have existed in on ferenginar but certainly individual ferengis mm. are, are doing whatever they w want to do it's sort of like a again like a wild west really you know whereas yeah so i think that 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 sort of sits and it, it works mm. but um it's and again maybe it's it's also maybe like a bit of a sort of post-imperialistic 
history that we have in in certainly in this country where you know the the what happened in in the in the um in the empire and stuff is is not really is, is sort of what's the word is um played down i suppose mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um you know if you look at sort of standard history for want of a better word you know it's it, it's not seen quite in a way that maybe if you looked at it from a the perspective of the people being occupied <laughs> would see it you know so <clears throat> there might be a, <clears throat> a bit of that sort of rewriting of history going on there i think mm, mm. yeah i suppose you could say that you know quark sees himself as you know the, the inheritor of of ferengi culture but they yeah forget those traders though those were an out branch they're outliers yeah. of our history they're not the real ferengi yeah uh, we're the real ferengi we didn't get involved in slavery blah blah blah, blah. um yeah uh, but it's happy to exploit his own family uh there you go yes, exactly, uh, yeah. <laughs> um they think they've played archer so they go off uh, and they're gonna have a look for the vault anyway uh there was a great little bartering scene where it's like 50 percent, you know 40 yeah. percent, all that kind of stuff um and a creme gets left with the menial labor, but he makes Archer do it anyway. And yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, he asks about why do you need this stuff? Don't you have enough technology? And that's a pretty good point. Like, surely their initial scans of the ship would have shown them that actually it's pretty low low yield technology. Yeah. Let's forget about it. Let's just get our gas canister and go on another thing. Leave it on the moon again, and then they'll come back. Um, yeah, they might make a bit of money, but it doesn't seem very profitable in the long no. run. We find out there's 173 rules of acquisition. Uh, we hear number 45 first, and that's expand or die. Very sort of militaristic sounding. Um, yes. Very, uh, very, you know, we need breathing room if uh, I want to paraphrase a, a very despicable part of our history. Um, but it's nice to hear that there are fewer rules in the past. So clearly we're about 100 behind what will eventually be by, by the time yes. DS9 comes around. So it was a nice sort of historical look at at, um, you know how their their culture is evolving and and thinking up these rules and eventually adding to them. Um, interesting that the little line of that kind of thinking almost destroyed our civilization and you should have run your businesses better. Yes, uh, <laughs> I like that. I really yeah, absolutely. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, n- and number six is the rule where uh, never let family stand in the way of business, um, which is interesting because later on that will change as just slightly of um, never let family stand in the way of profit. So there, there's changes in terminology of even the existing rules as well. So I, I, uh, from a historical point of view, this is the Temple Trek podcast. I just like the idea that it's evolving, but yeah. you know, those elements are changing as we go through. Again, if you see sort of religion as the same thing, you know, their worship of money is the same as our religion. You see yep. the, the change from the King James Bible to a different Bible to Methodist to Baptist interpretation. Yeah, it's quite interesting to see that. Mm. Um, Trip tries to break out Archer as well, uh, but yes. any any comments on that on the the um, rules? I just I just think it's interesting. Um, I had an idea there, and it's just sort of mm. popped out of my head. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Well, you might have to cut this bit, I think, because I'm completely <laughs> lost. <laughs> um, Interpretation. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I, I I like it, and I thought maybe um, again. I mean, maybe it's. You know, obviously, this single episode isn't the place to do it. But if it was ever expanded, if we looked at Ferengi culture more, it'd be very interesting to see if there's a similar thing like with the Vulcans, like the um, uh, 
mm-hmm. um, the Serenites and the different sort of different um, cults, I suppose, or different mm. ways of, you know, and also with like um, with the Romulans and the um, Candor, ultimate Candor. Yeah, I can't think of the the right term, but you know, whether there's there's different interpretations of Ferengi culture and of, and sort of, of the rules of acquisition and how that mm. that plays out that would be really interesting to see it's, it's certainly a i mean we're sort of jumping forward to enhancements aren't we already but mm. you know it's certainly something that would be interesting to explore you know how how mono how much of a monoculture is ferengi culture or is if there is there you know is there a sort of a, you know a group of people who who reject profit yeah no. Oh, that would be interesting. Yeah, yeah we'll we'll come across a, a, a shuttle of Ferengi, maybe uh, yeah, exactly, yeah. 25th century, who've just given yeah. up on profit. It's like, look at what that did to us. Um, yeah, the, the followers of Rom. Maybe uh, Rom will get deposed as Negus, and uh, we get a, a, a sort of breakaway faction or something like that. Maybe the Ferengi uh, that we're about to see in season four of Discovery, because again, that hasn't played at the time of yes, recording. Yes, interesting. Show. Yeah. You know, is he an enlightened Ferengi uh, and mm. uh, has a different view on everything? Uh, has he reinterpreted all of the rules of acquisition to be a bit more peaceful and a bit less greedy? I don't know. Trip tries to break out Archer and they get this idea of a plan, but nothing is said explicitly what the plan mm. is. Archer just says you're going to need some help. Uh, so he goes to uh, sort of wake up the rest of the crew. Um he goes to uh, inject Topol with the same serum that woke up Archer, uh, but there's not enough left over for, Ho- for Hoshi. And I, I thought that was interesting that he went straight to those two bridge crew members. Admittedly, it's all extras. The rest of the people are all extras. You know, maybe if Lieutenant Hess had been in the pile of bodies, maybe he would have woken her up. Maybe Crewman Cutler. Uh, we could have had some interesting things there. Uh, I think, you know, given that she's an expert in insects and beetle snuff keeps coming up, maybe... We find out that there was a uh, he was in the decon chamber because he was doing his lunar survey and brought the weird artifact back. So you know the Trojan horse was brought on board by by Trip and to and to Pole was the one who opened it to then cause it. Um, an interesting tactic, but seems a bit weird. You know, only if you go down to the the moon and only yeah. if you find the, the the artifact. Maybe they've got a dozen of these sort of strewn around the sector, and one gives off like a little beacon or something. Um, but uh, yeah, very odd tactic. You know, you'd think that maybe they'd be hiding somewhere and jump out and pounce or something. The other interesting thing, of course, is they they decontaminated trip, but they didn't bother decontaminating the um, mm. the container. Yeah, and opened it by a warp core. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, what a bad idea that was. <laughs> The, the attention to health and safety yet again you know they were yep. drinking by torpedoes in other episodes uh they're doing all sorts of things they were doing uh phaser fire uh, uh hosi was practicing her shots in in sleeping dogs and now they're opening unknown canisters with god knows what's inside it right next to the warp core um god if only they had a special room eh um but <laughs> uh krem still wants to poll and he's uh, still yep. trying to touch her ears, even though she's been woken up. So there is that kind of cringiness of that she's awake. Uh, I would have loved to have just seen her lunge up and you know nerve pinch him, and that was it. Krem's taken out. That's one down. <laughs> uh, Trip eventually gets a uniform. We're twenty minutes into the episode, but he eventually gets a uniform, uh, and uh, we get rule even, number twenty-three as well. Yeah, and even Topol mentions the lack of uniform, doesn't she? <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> Just because a man's walking around in his underwear, you yeah. to think the worst. Um, but perfectly plays in, you know, given his history. 
seeing what he's doing. He's walking around. The rest of the crew are all knocked out. I mean, that could be quite skeezy. <laughs> she hasn't seen the Ferengi yet. Um, but um, uh, Muck, M-U-K, is the, the Ferengi who finds all the surgical tools. Mm. And he finds this one weird one. And he's sort of licking it. And he's really impressed by it. Has no idea what it does. Uh, but um, there's a great little line where he says... Um, you're not going to take this away from me. This is my profit. What do you think I am, a mink? And mm. it's a great callback to Dear Doctor. That yes. what if this, what if these guys are the Ferengi that they had contact with? Not the Ferengi as yeah. a society, but just the traders. And mm. that's why they didn't get the medical know-how they, they needed, because literally just these raiders didn't have what they needed. Mm. Interesting, yeah. So I, I did notice that that callback. Mm. Um and whether it was a throwaway line or whether there was more to it, that's very interesting, I think. And I like, again, I think we've spoken about this before, but there is a there is a tendency in Enterprise to do that a little bit more mm. than maybe TNG and stuff. And just, uh, you know, the beginnings of of more richer storytelling, which I think, you know, we, we're going to go through the whole series and I think mm. it never quite achieves. But there is those sort of beginnings of that, definitely. Mm. And this mm. is a nice little example of that, I think. It's something that Enterprise does seem to do very well uh, and is something I'm going to miss when I come away from this show, is that mm. they did try and lay some pretty solid groundwork and believable uh, progression yes. for all of their characters. Um, speaking of believable, uh, there was no explicit plan said, yet Trip knows that he needs to set up a lock on a random door somewhere that will be the exact place they need to, uh, to take the Ferengi at some point. Tripol's already setting off alarms, uh, you know, making them um, sort of bit dizzy, stealing yeah. tricorders, then placing it in bags. This is a really well thought out strategy, but Archer didn't give any uh, orders for this. We haven't had a scene where Trip explains it to Tripol. You can infer that, maybe, yeah. but it's a really well thought out plan, given that there was no mention of it whatsoever. Uh, any thoughts on that? I think, yeah, it's, it's funny, isn't it? Just it's... Um... I think, as you say, there's there's just a, like a plot hole really, where where I think between them, to pole and trip worked out an idea, um, and and um, yeah, it, it's yeah, it's funny. It, it doesn't it doesn't affect the the story exactly, but again, you know, again, we come back to this probably later on. But it'd be nice to just expand slightly on that. Mm. It is a bit of a callback to uh, the Andorian incident where um, Archer did his sort of fist tap on his chest to indicate to uh, Trip and to Paul that there was an Andorian behind the wall. Um, a very specific command, all done with a tiny little gesture. And it would yep. just be nice to get that little bit more of uh, how did they work that out? How does that work out to this? Yeah. Um, but again, I guess plays into the the sign language that we were talking earlier that mm. your partner's going through. You know, if they worked out preset commands, you know, little tap here, a little nod there, yeah. little wink, um, it could explain so many different things. Who knows? Um, we get a little bit of a bartering scene again between Archer and Krem. He's now offering him 50-50, not all of the Frankie, just him. Try and undercut him and, and play into that and uh, say that you need to start taking initiative. You need to show, show that you've got the lobes and things like this. And we also get a scene with Porthos. Porthos is back. We haven't seen him for actually a few episodes, uh, in fact. Um, but it's the lower life form, you idiot. You, you know, he's not going to be talking to you. They could have worked that out, surely. They didn't need to have that conversation. But there we go. It's a funny little line. Yeah. Um, but uh, they think they're going to take him into a zoo. And then they put him in a little crate. 
Yes. Well, Porthos. Yes. Oh, I mean, that must have stunk when they opened up the crate and got him back out again <laughs> at the end. I mean, I can only imagine with all the cheese that he's been eating. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, not good. Not good at all. Um, I would have loved this, if, uh, if Porthos, you know, uh, cocked his leg or something like that and tried to get his revenge, but there we go. This again is, um, I think, actually, I think I spoke about this on, on the Measure of a Fan podcast, so this is sort of crossing the streams a bit, but... Um, <laughs> This was again probably the most engaged my partner's been. When 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 he was put into the box, she was like, "Oh no, is she going to be able to breathe?" You know, and she's she was. This is the point the most sort of uh, upset she's been for quite a while. You know, Archer's been beaten to a pulp and you know and all the rest of it. But the poor Foss is in trouble. So yes, that's it. That's why Porthos is probably the most important pe- person on or thing on uh, the, on the Enterprise. The only creature there. Um, yeah, so many different things. I wasn't watching it with my kids actively engaged in it, but they saw there was a dog on the screen and that pulled them as, as well. Mm. So that probably will feature into our later criteria for non-Star Trek fans as well. If you get the dog in it, the dog is going to pull them in. Um, there's a fight in the mess hall and, um, you know, Trip gets some proper uh, lunges in and some proper wax. Um, a nice little tactic again. Uh, why they're not taking out the Ferengi. I mean, there's three trained officers on an enterprise yes. with a home field advantage and they could have already taken out Krem with yep. T'Pol when she was being sort of touched inappropriately. Um, they could now take out um, this guy as well, whose name I completely, I think it is Muck who actually uh, is mm. punched out and we get the phaser whip. I yes. unapologetically love the phaser whip. It is so silly. It is such a weird weapon and an idea it comes back from the very first time we ever met the uh, the Ferengi, chronologically speaking, as far as the TV show. Um, but phaser whips, uh, any thoughts on this, the silliness that is? Uh, do you know what? I agree with you. I really enjoyed that. Um, <laughs> I don't know why, really, because that enterprise, um, sorry, that TNG episode is awful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But there was something <laughs> nice about that. That laser. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed that, actually. Yeah. Just a little, a little again, I think, it, you know, that's probably good fan service for me. Mm, yes. You know, nothing, not a major thing, nothing, you know, just a little, you know, but it just worked really nicely. So yeah, I was, I was, I, was, I enjoyed that. Yeah. Mm. Like if it hadn't been Ferengis and it had been a different race, but they were using a phaser whip, it would have been like, Oh, that's what it is. That's fantastic. That's a really good little reference. Um, but uh, I do sort of feel like we're crossing over to a different fandom. Uh, it's a bit like um, lightsabers in that mm. we had blue ones in TNG yes. and now we've got yellow ones on here. You know, does that mean alignments have changed? Are this, mm. you know, are there's different kinds of levels of Jedi? I don't know. Or Jedi Ferengi. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it did get me fit. And just, it's so silly. I know they yeah. don't work. I know that in, yeah. practically they would be absolutely useless, uh, but it's such a, a silly little weapon. I love it. Yeah. Um, Trip is then captured and uh, he's uh, you know, interrogated why are you awake, all this sort of thing. And he picks Hoshi as his wife mm. in, in the little deception, not to poll, which is quite interesting. Uh, yeah. Given that there is this uh, obvious attraction between Krem and uh, T'Pol, and it, well, his way at least, um, <laughs> that he didn't say to poll, he didn't say, you know, mm. uh, she's my wife. Um, I wondered if that was the right where the writers were going to go because we've had previous scenes mm. where the two of them were having a really nice moment here or there. Um, was that the original plan? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, because I mean, obviously, I think um, there is a there is an attempt at some point to to sort of bring 
Archer and Topol together, mm. which was a very short-lived, but but happens. Mm. Mm. Um, so maybe, yeah, maybe it was just a little sort of beginning of a of something, you know. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think um, maybe I don't know. Maybe it was something to do with him knowing that that Topol was awake, mm. and he wanted to sort of I don't know add somebody to the sort of protected list or something. I'm, I'm not sure. There was. I'm not sure. Maybe he, you know, maybe they were trying to just sort of reduce the number of people were taken because they they're obviously at this point, mm. you know, they, they have no way of knowing if they're going to manage to, to defeat these people, you know. So they're, they're trying to sort of maybe you know, reduce the losses, if that makes it sounds quite, you know, mm. horrible in a way. But you know, maybe, maybe. Um, but I, I, I thought, yeah, that could be an interesting way in that that it was Hoshi who he picked for earlier on um maybe have her then wake up early and so she heard it and was like oh why did you pick me as your wife um uh but it leads into a mock fight um we have already had a moment where archer was sort of saying that to is a pain in his uh butt and always getting in the way she's humorless and she's terrible uh and then they're fighting over it and you know it's the the classic trek deception of like it's either he's come in he's sick or we're going to have a fight amongst ourselves and then we can uh, try and uh, outsmart you. Uh, they all move away. Uh, Trip is going to take them on this wild goose chase to find the vault. But Krem is now watching Archer again. And the water polo uh, injury comes up. This is the first mention of water polo in our chronological rewatch. Uh, we haven't actually heard it. Even with First Flight, where we're sort of jumping back in time mm. and seeing that it's the first time we've actually had water polo mentioned explicitly as something that archer plays i think there is a mention once where he said i was watching it so yes. he was a, a passive listener but it's actually something that he gets involved in so this is going to come up a lot more in enterprise as we go through but yeah the first time that actually archer plays water polo he doesn't just watch it he's not one of those fans that buys all the kits and everything like that but doesn't actually play um so I just thought it was quite a, a nice little moment, yeah. a sort of milestone for us. Um, yes. To pole seducing Creme. Um, I know why she's doing it. I know yes. that she's trying to outsmart him. And uh, I like that she's playing on his sort of white knight complex that he wants to be the saviour. We get some umaks. We get Ugh. some touching. We do. It's, it's so weird how that yeah. can get past the senses, even though it's yeah. explicitly referenced in the episode what yeah. this is. Yes. Uh, it's an erogenous zone. He says yeah. it in the same scene. You know, if she took her hands and placed them down on screen uh, where the camera and it wasn't yeah. and it, it still was not seen, this scene would be cut. And yeah. yet that is absolutely fine. Yeah. Really strange. Um, it is. Yes. Any thoughts on the hand job scene? <laughs> Uh, yes, well, exactly what you say, really. I mean, it's. I, I, I mean, I suppose. I suppose it's sort of. What's the word? I'm trying to I'm thinking the right way of putting this. It, it makes sense to a degree, mm-hmm. although there's no way for 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 Tapol to know what a weakness this is. Mm. You know how sort of. True. You know, so there's no way of knowing that. Maybe there's a sort of there's a bit of she's trying to sort of lull him, yeah, yeah, exactly yeah. lull him and sort of you know make him feel like she she's on his side or such. Mm. But again, why? I mean, Braga <laughs> and you know Braga and bloody Berman, you know, <laughs> it's, it really you is. know, 
It's so hard to watch. I mean, it's like it's it's fan service, but for like weirdos, isn't it? Yes, you know? it really is. Yeah, it's fan service for the worst kind of fans. <laughs> yeah, anyone that's watching Star Trek for the Umux, <laughs> you know, there's something going on in there. You know, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. Get get yourself some help. Get some support. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Talk it through. Yeah. 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 It's so weird. I mean, I have seen that there's a lot of fans who think that this is the start of Vulcan Love Slave. That this is where. Okay. The, the holodeck program came from uh, and maybe Krem's descendants were the ones who wrote it and all this sort of thing. But I mean, if that was what they were going for still, it's so skeezy. It's so horrible. If that's what he was thinking. Yeah. If that's how, you know, he was picturing what was going to happen. Fair enough. But to actually see her do it and to, to we, the Star Trek know Star Trek fans know what this is. Yeah. And it's just, a, oh, it's so uncomfortable. It's so uncomfortable to watch. It plays perfectly if you're looking at this as 100 years before TOS, yep. TOS and all of the problems that has, that yep. kind of makes sense. Yes. But that's not a justification. No. It's really not a justification at all. No. It's really odd because there's a scene in, um, we're going to really jump, sort of jump outside of the timeline, but there's mm. a scene in Little Green Men mm. where um, um, the doctor not, with Nog. Nog, yes. Yeah, and he's like, oh, yeah, just there, just there. But it doesn't play as badly. I don't know if what you think, but mm. <laughs> I don't know. It's something about Enterprise that <laughs> manages to sort of make everything creepy and, and slightly sort of yucky. And I don't know what it is. I don't know why that is. But, you know, that, that scene doesn't come across as... As sort of as bad and as nasty or whatever it is. I don't know. Yeah. There's there's something about Enterprise. They seem to really, you know, they they seem to miss miss the mark every time. You know. Yeah. And it, and make, and it becomes unpleasant or you know I don't know. But yeah. Maybe, so yeah, that's my thoughts on Umux in this scene. Maybe Why? it's maybe it's something that I will come across. Maybe once I've watched enough DS9 and it's built up and. It, because it is a pattern of behavior that is mon- mentioned yeah. every now and then there's a scene yes. where that happens where he talks about Umox. Do you know Umox? Yeah. You're going to give me Umox. Um, but with Enterprise, yeah, I think because it's such a consistent pattern of behavior, the objectification yeah. of T'Pol, the constant sexual references, no matter what species they're meeting that week, the constant means of T'Pol is the one who we're really into, whether it's your your pervy Andorians, whether it's your now your Ferengi, somebody makes a reference to it. It's yeah. so constant. I think that's why it's it's probably yeah. worse. I don't know. Uh, and maybe because it is the it was the most recent series that we had. Obviously, now we've got more up to date series. It should have been held to a higher standard. You know, mm. we should have known better by two thousand one. Yes, we should. In the nineties, you know, it was a different era and that kind of thing. Um, still doesn't justify again. Um, Trip is still taking him on this wild goose chase where they're going backwards past the same corridor over and over again, which I find very funny. Uh, uh, the idea that there's booby traps and maybe I should go in first. Um, there is a moment where the Ferengi are turning on each other, and I didn't know whether it was Trip or Connor Trenier, the actor watching them and there was like a close-up on his face where like what on earth is going on how are they doing that it almost looked like connor trenier who's only done a season of star trek it's like do they have to do that is that is this an actor's thing they've worked out um it was just funny to see and i do wonder where the line between connor trenier and trip ended in that (laughs) scene um 
Topol uh, is uh, getting her revenge with Archer. So they've taken out Krem. Uh, she's nerve pinched him. And we get a bit of uh, a revenge for she's not that interesting. She has yes. no sense of humor. She's a pain in my butt. Uh, and she holds the, the keys. I think perfect. Absolutely yep. perfect. I think that comic timing, that is per- the kind of stuff I want to see more in Enterprise. Mm. Um, the fact that uh, as a Vulcan, she doesn't have uh, a, a well-versed sense of humor, but when she does, it is yes. absolutely spot on. Uh, yep. Any any thoughts on that? I really like that. Uh, what I really liked, in fact, was the way that Archer says about uh, 10 bars of gold. Mm-hmm. He sort of plays into that character that he's developed for the Ferengi. Yeah. I really like that. I thought that was a very clever little scene. Yeah, I've, yeah, <laughs> perfect. Yeah, very funny. Yeah, uh, and cements their relationship really well. Yeah. I think there is a trusting element to it. But again, it could have been maybe part of that, uh, trying to build a romantic relationship between the two, that there is that um, that little dig every now and then, the little, yeah. the little friendly jibe. Um, the crew are awoken. We've managed to out uh, outthink the Ferengi. Uh, Porthos is finally rescued and taken out the box that didn't have any holes in. So yes, I am yes. with your partner on that. Is how is he breathing in there? Uh, so whether uh, Ensign Pooper Scooper had to clean that thing out uh, intensely, I don't know. Um, you'll never see us again, the Ferengi say, uh, and Krem, Captain Krem is now taking over the shuttle and he flies away and it's the end and it's just yes. all sort of re- resolved that's yes. it um, yeah, yeah. Uh, any thoughts on the end of the episode it just sort of quickly just all tied yeah, up yeah it just all sort of come together yeah um, I've got some thoughts but I'm going to save them for the, the next couple of bits because um, yeah I just think they, they fit better there excellent yeah so that was locating the episode and we go on to consequences what are the consequences for the star trek universe from this episode uh none no i can't think of any really other than you know other than as as viewers we're introduced not reintroduced reintroduced i suppose to the ferengi and they you know um it's it happens again i'm sort of jumping forward but it happens again with the the borg episode mm-hmm. you know I mean, I know they they don't say who they are. They don't say their their species, but you know there would be a note about these weird dudes with massive ears, and you know, <laughs> and I mean maybe maybe you know that would have been sort of not lost exactly through time, but would have you know. But I don't know, and and like the Borg. I mean, how the Borg aren't recorded somewhere in 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 um, <laughs> Starfleet records? I don't know, but anyway, yeah. Know. There is, yeah, the, the military side of things would have at least made, Reed would have made a full visual copy, uh, yeah. a download of their specs, everything he knows, just so yeah. that we can have a tactical advantage next time. Absolutely. So um, I suppose that, the, yeah, but the consequences, there aren't any, you know, for, for the universe. No, they disappear and we don't see them again in, I don't think we don't see them again in Enterprise, do we? No, not, not as far as I know. I mean, there might be one in the background. I don't know, in like Ricer or something. Mm. Um yeah, I mean, maybe there should be the consequence of don't open up a foreign object next to a warp core. Um, I, I get the feeling that that actually <laughs> opened itself. I think it was sealed. Ah, okay. And I think it opens itself. But that nice. that might be wrong. But that's I think it. that's yeah. what happens. Okay, yeah, I, can, I can see that. Yeah, but again, why bring an unknown object next to the warp core? Because it could be explosive. Who knows? It could be anything, couldn't it? It could be no. anything. It could be uh, some foreign piece of kit that can uh, drill itself into the hull. And yeah. It could be a mine. It could be anything. Yeah. 
yeah. yeah uh, maybe get a new um, circulation system of air ducts that are isolatable. So, you know, decks yep. are somehow contaminated, then the rest of the decks aren't. And that's sort of thinking in pandemic mode now, I think. Uh, just, you know, go into lockdown. Get better lockdown. Yes, lockdown that's right. Yes. Uh, so maybe that's something we'll see. I'm going to look out for it now. See if like Reed says, well, we've shut off this deck because um, there was no mention of that. And we didn't see yeah. what happened. I, I did like mm. how this episode jumped straight in. Yeah. And, you know, I, I kind of hope that that's a consequence for future episodes, that they have the, the strength to or the, the resilience to go straight into the action. Like, don't give us the setup. We can work that out for ourselves. That the writers have a bit more faith in themselves, faith of the heart in themselves, as I guess, to uh, to believe in their writing style. That they can they can let the audience. You know, we're pretty intelligent. We can work it out for ourselves. I quite like the way that it just jumped in, no explanation. Yep. We yeah, got I it did, later, yeah. but yeah. Um, but yeah, other than that, I can't see any consequences. We don't learn anything about the Ferengi that we don't already know as Star Trek fans. Yeah, uh, the crew don't record it for some reason. No. maybe it's a maybe it's an indication that there's not the same sort of privacy um or monitoring of ships and and life general day-to-day life that's why we have like captain's logs and and officers mm. Mm. But here in the 20th century and 21st centuries we've seen the growth of um uh, cctv and big brother and because that was such a, a devastating thing in the future maybe after world war three they realized right Everyone gets privacy. Nobody gets spied on. We don't, you know, record anything uh, that is out of ordinary. Um, maybe that's a, you know, an explanation, something that we could imply from all of this. I, guess, I mean, I guess, yeah, maybe no recording, but surely every, for want of a better word, every uh, mission would have some kind of, you know, especially now they're just going out, they're just finding stuff. There must, mm. you know, there must be a, a massive desire to record and 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 sort of find out stuff, basically. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's a funny one. I mean, it's it's you know, enterprise. Enterprise has that problem, doesn't it? That it's got to fit into canon. Yeah. And whenever they they do that, whenever they break that, they've always got to find a way to get away with that as such. Um, but it's it's a it's a tiny moan. But you know, mm. absolutely. I think if they'd gone maybe the John McClane diehard route, and it was only trip. It wasn't Archer, mm. it wasn't Tripol, and it was just Trip, and it was him outsmarting them with engineering solutions. Mm. They never talk. There's no interaction. Maybe there's the radio scene, you know, with the Hans yep. Gruber of the of the Ferengi. To, Where are my detonators? Where's my lightning? You know, all this kind of stuff. And then he just kicks them off. Um, there's there's no access to the screen, so he doesn't visually see them. It is all done yep. with communicators and things like that. Maybe that would have been a bit better. Maybe just to think it up that way. Uh, and then they've gone by the time. Uh, it's all gone through. We wouldn't get maybe the, all the skeezy uh, to Paul uh, scenes uh, with with Krem. Uh, I don't know, but there we go. Um, alterations then. So going into alterations, yes. what, what would you like to see expanded? What would you like to see changed? Um, I think you're, you, the idea of the um, Tellarites would have been very interesting. Mm-hmm. This would have been an ideal opportunity. I think we've, we've spoken a little bit about this, but mm. been an ideal opportunity to in, include them in this sort of world building that that goes on um i think it's a shame that they use the frangies really i enjoyed the episode you know mm. don't get me wrong but but i think as with their use of the borg later on i think it's a shame you know that they this was meant to be 
a sort of a prequel. It was meant to fit into canon. It was meant to, you know, respect that stuff. And, and you know, and so they could have, I mean, I know the Fringy are sort of the perfect characters for this episode in lots of ways. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're set up, ready to go, you know. But, you know, there must be other species that are similar or, or you know, and or, or just even just a slight tweak of the storyline mm. to change it slightly, even if it was like the um, Norsicans coming on just to get the women. Yeah. You know, that sort of thing, maybe, you know, that, that would have, I don't know if it, it would have worked better, but certainly would have it would have avoided those problems that we have with canon and sort of, you know, where where things fit and stuff. Um, so I think, yeah, I think I enjoyed it because I enjoy the Fringy. Although I must say, they're very dumb in this episode, and I don't yeah. like that about the, the representation of the Fringy. Because I think with DS Nine, we see a much more rounded. I mean, they are sort of a bit stupid, but they're not. You know, they're not sort of idiots. And how, if they're idiots, how have they got walk technology and how have they man? You know, <laughs> do you know what I mean? So it's a bit like the Packlids. I, I know that sort of, you know. That's a sort of more extreme version of that. But, you know, Fringy is such idiots, you mm-hmm. know, that it, I find it slightly annoying. And I think it's a shame that they they played on that, really. I think, you know, another species would have been better. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm with you. Uh, having the Fringy in there makes for a fun episode to watch. I really do enjoy yeah. watching this episode. Even the uncomfortable bits with T'Pol. Um, it, it, it's It's that part of star trek that doesn't have to worry about making a message it's just a bit of fun uh, yeah. and you do need those episodes every now and then and it is something i'm kind of missing at the moment with the new trek shows coming out that there isn't that breakaway episode that's just a bit of fun although there was um uh, magic to make the sanest man go yeah. mad in first season of uh, discovery yeah. which again felt like a breakaway it didn't have to be in the canon uh in the the, the list of, of episodes but it was fun to have it but yeah something a little bit more in keeping with what we already know of the universe i know that bringing in ferengi is probably more recognizable to a non-star trek fan base which was something that trek was trying to do or at least enterprise was trying to do um and, and appeal to a wider base of audience and oh i remember those guys with the big ears yeah they're kind of orange and they they love money and they kind of they they you know it gives enough inlets for new fans to come in and may play into our criteria later um, but yeah, it's it's aggravating to think, you know, why aren't there records? Why wasn't there a scan of their shuttle? Why don't um, you know uh, people in TNG era reference? Oh, I think there was a Marauder once who took out the very first Enterprise, and here we are, the you know Enterprise D meeting the this Ferengi again. You know, come on, um, it's it's so weird. Maybe the Orions. I mean, throughout mm. this first season. I've always been banging on about leave the temporal cold war to the second season. This is about setting up the start of the Federation have the Orions. They're the ones, they're the marauders, the, the brains behind the outfit, maybe mm. have it that they set up this thing on the moon because they knew they were going in that direction. These are explorers. We can con them. They've been, you know, disrupting all of our efforts so far. They took out the Norsicans. They took out this ship. They took out that ship. Right. Well, you know, the, the bad guy, the boss has turned up now. It's the the Orions are straight in with it. And then Archer plays on their divisions. You know, there's, you know, one crew member who doesn't like the other and we can play yeah. into that. It might not have been more fun. It might not be as silly as this episode um, and uh, maybe not as enjoyable and pretty serious and dark. But 
you know we know the orions have slave markets we we know they already have it that's already built in uh people already know kirk and the green women from the 60s so that's your inlet that's your way in for new fans um yeah um an expansion of uh the uh the rules of acquisition and and seeing ferengi as we mentioned earlier maybe a non-profit loving ferengi we have seen one of those before in ds9 where we had the the gun for hire the guy who loved his knives uh you know what is he is he a different does he think you know uh, don't let um family get in the way of killing people and and (laughs) that's his interpretation of the rule um but there we go uh moving on to recommendations then uh we've got recommendations for non-star trek uh, first non-star trek fans and star trek fans is this essential viewing for a star trek fan first I don't think it's essential, but I think if you're a fan of the Fringy, it's enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I think I think the fan the fans are pretty split as far as the Fringy go. Mm. Um, some people I really like the Fringy, as I've said already, um, but I know a lot of people don't certainly didn't like the DS9 episodes with the Fringy. So yeah, if you enjoy the Fringy, then yes. If you you know again, I think you said it a minute ago that it's just a nice little sort of funny, enjoyable episode. It's one of those ones that you'd sit if you were watching. Or if you if you were flicking through the channels and it was on, mm-hmm. you'd probably go, "Oh, I'll watch that. That'd be be fun." Yeah, yeah. But it's not certainly not an essential one. It doesn't do anything. You know, as you say, there's no real consequences come out of it or anything like that. So, yeah, I think it's one I would I would watch again definitely. I mean, I've watched it about three or four times, so I won't watch it for a while. But um, certainly, as I say, if I was flicking through and it was on, I'd, I'd sit and watch that. Yeah, mm. yeah. It, I'm with you on that one. It's it. It's something that's never going to be in your top 10, but it is something that you would sit and watch. It's a bit funny. Uh, it's you know, it's a lighthearted part of the Star Trek universe. It's world building. So, you know, you do get the idea there's this Ferengi out there, there's Marauders, um, that um, you, know, you can have a bit of fun in Star Trek. You don't always have to be serious. Fair enough. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm going to recommend, but with the caveat that it's not, you don't have to watch it first. It's not a big one for Star Trek fans. For non-Star Trek fans, now we have mentioned a few people that we know who uh, may not consider themselves full-blown Star Trek fans. My kids have certainly not really watched any Star Trek other than Lower Decks. They seem to like Lower Decks for some reason, but there we go. Even though that's all references to other Star Trek, but there we go. Um, Do we recommend to non-Star Trek fans? I'm, I'm pausing only because... I'm going to say no, but again, I often do this, but I, I think, you know, actually it's probably one where if you wasn't a Star Trek fan, but you were beginning to become a Star Trek fan, mm-hmm. maybe it would, it would, you know, it's one of those ones where again, you wouldn't show it first, mm-hmm. but as people are sort of building into it, you might go, well, you know, actually this is a Ferengi. They're quite fun because mm-hmm. that's what they are. They're fun, you know? Yeah. And so that may be, again, especially if you've maybe sort of done things like, I don't know, um, Measure of a Man and then sort of, um, well, the one with the four lights and stuff and the sort of yeah. heavy, you know, sort of, then maybe this would be one you'd drop in as a little sort of break from that sort of heavy sci-fi thing. Nice. But again, not not for, not for a fresh intro, not this is the first one you should watch. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It is it is that break. It is that nice, relaxed atmosphere of, of leaning into comedy aspects, which Trek doesn't always get right. And it's, it's quite hard to do comedy um, in terms of uh, the set episodes. I know that Lower Decks as a season is all a comedy, but that is a comedy show 
whereas yeah. this is a comedy episode in a quite serious sci-fi show um so it's fun to have and you know if you've seen maybe magnificent ferengi from ds9 mm. so you've got the comedy elements and you've got a quite serious thing that they're rescuing the mum and, and all this sort of stuff have another episode well there was another one that back in the past where they kind of met the ferengi but they didn't realize um yeah so i am recommending but it's much later on so yeah. we've we've done the first couple of courses of brainwashing and then this is this is uh, session number 10 where here's a bit of fun there we go yes so that is it so we have recommended to star trek fans and non-star trek fans that's it for the episode yes. right well uh, again thank you so much dan uh Pleasure. Pl- plug away the podcast and uh everything you're getting up to um yes well as ever academic trek um where you get your podcasts Academic Trek 47 on Twitter. And there is some new episodes in the pipeline. So um, at some point, <laughs> I will get there. I promise. <laughs> um, but yes. Uh, yeah. So yeah, thank you. And, and yeah, I enjoyed that. It was another good episode to chat about. I think um, obviously the last episode was pretty heavy. Yeah. And this is sort of from the sublime to the ridiculous, really. Um, but it was an enjoy. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Thank you. Excellent. No, I, it's always great to have you here. You're saving the listeners from a solo show from me. So that's, you know, I'm sure all the listeners are saying, thank you, Dan. Thank you so much. for being <laughs> um, But uh, for me personally, it's just been so much more enjoyable recording this with you in the mornings and just uh, getting to grips going from the, again, this is very serious episodes we've already had the past couple of weeks to this and having a bit of fun. Uh, so thank you so much. And uh, I may be seeing you in some future episodes as well and uh, getting some other reviews in certainly hope so yeah excellent speaking of all that remains is the last criteria the setup join me next time as we're going through some timey-wimey stuff as we move out of the netflix watch order and we're going into the full chronology of the show there's no actual specified reason why but according to imdb and several other sites including memory alpha the next episode will actually be detained and not oasis as you might know from your uh Netflix order or your DVD collection or Blu-ray collection if you're a little bit richer than I am. Um, So do come back for Season 3, Episode 21 of this podcast as we go to Season 1, Episode technically 20 of the show, but it'll be Season 1, Episode 19 if you were watching this chronologically as we go to Detained. As always, thank you very much for listening and I'll see you in the next time stream. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Please remember to like, subscribe and review wherever you listen to it. If you would like to be a guest in the future or give feedback, you can contact me by either searching for the Temporal Trek Podcast Facebook page or find me on Twitter at Rider underscore Coattail. Also search the Temporal Trek Podcast. You can also find me on Instagram at Daniel underscore Hitch underscore Writer. Scripted elements of the show are a work of pure fan fiction and any views and opinions expressed in the episode discussions are my own or that of the guest. They do not reflect the rights holders of Star Trek. Any Star Trek sound effects or music are used under the terms of fair use and are not my own work. The intro music, Birthright by Audio Binger, is royalty-free from the Free Music Archive. Check out their work and others at freemusicarchive.com. The Temple Trek is a free podcast with no Patreon or sponsorship. However, if you would like to support the show, you can find my books by searching Daniel Peter Hitch on Amazon. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you in the next time stream. So, yes, so detained will be on Monday.
Cool. Okay. Excellent. Perfect. So if we want to go for the same time again, 9.15 in the morning? Yep. Fantastic. Yep. Perfect, mate. I am really yeah. enjoying these Mondays, so thank you so much. Uh, it's a really nice. That's a pleasure, man. Yeah, I do. It's good, isn't it? It's nice, isn't it? Mm, yeah, it I really enjoy it as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm. Go- you're going to become the regular co-host. You do realise this, right? You know, it's- I feel really bad. I feel really bad about it, though. <laughs> no, don't. No, 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 no. I, I was hoping to get a co-host at some point, but it's just I. I feel so uncomfortable asking people to come on to this silly little project of mine oh, no, and, I really um, enjoy it. waste their time. So you know, I don't want to waste their time at all. No. Um, but no, it's been so good having you here and then just talking about this. So yeah, if you do want to become the co-host and we will do this on a regular, I would love to do that. I'd be up for that, mate. Definitely. Fantastic. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I've got the morning, so let's do it. So excellent. Right. Cool. Okay. Anytime I can't get another guest and it's going to be an evening recording, we'll just do morning, 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 morning. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. Um, right, I'll let you go. Okay. Enjoy, Have a enjoy good week, mate. Day. Take care of yourself. No worries. And I'll um, I'll speak to you soon. Speak to you soon, my friend. Bye. Take care, man. Bye bye.